Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arsaholics Centenary episode. Did I even say centenary, right? Did I say centenary? Did I get it wrong? It's just the excitement of being a hundred episodes down for this momentous occasion. I've got my uh, brothers who have been on this hundred episode journey with me all the way. Uh, Mize, Aaron, and, and it's just it's just typical for our hundredth episode that Nero is not here. You know, it's just, it just wouldn't have had it any other way in theory. I mean, it just sums up the last uh, hundred episodes. So, guys, welcome. How are you doing? Good, mate. Good. Happy centenary to you both, too. What are we doing to celebrate? Well, it's a Sunday night. It's, it's weird. Like, I don't even have a drink on me. No, we're getting old. I remember the first episode. I think we all had drinks with us. <laughs> we didn't have we didn't have proper mics. The sound quality was awful. Barely knew what the internet was. Yeah. <laughs> come a long way. Everything's come a long way. The mics have come a long way. The cameras we're using have come a long way. The team has come a long way. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. It's nice. Thank you. People in the comments already saying happy 100 episodes. It's very nice of you guys. Like, I, you know, again, you know, it's been really cool for a lot of you who've been here along the way, you know. Uh, our small loyal following um really really appreciate it and it's been really cool i don't think when we started you know guys i, I guess if we reflect on it when we started um you know it felt like this was a bit of a void filling exercise you know it's during the time where we couldn't go to games and we missed we missed talking to each other and being you know each other's therapy of of going through the arsenal um and 100 episodes down it's crazy i mean when you reflect back why is like 100 episodes ago <laughs> what, what did you think do you think we'd be here 100 episodes later i had some faith i had some faith because i think we've we've always said right however big or small we ended up becoming um kind of as a like online presence let's call it that we said as long as we enjoy doing this then we just carry on doing it right as long as we enjoy talking about um arsenal and arsenal matches even once we started going back to games we said we'd carry on doing it so yeah, I had I had some faith that we'd get to, you know, we we just we just like plow away and, and see where it took us. But you know, I think the main thing for us is like I said, you know, we just we just like enjoy doing it regardless of who, you know, whether it's one or two people listening or a hundred or two hundred or, or bigger numbers. So yeah, no, I mean like yeah, hundreds um it's nice. It's nice to see that we've we've kind of stuck with it. I think that's the nice thing. We've stuck with it and um you know, yeah, hopefully hopefully, you know, it continues to grow and uh people whoever those people are enjoy enjoy listening to us because i guess um feels like we might have something fairly uh knowledgeable uh, to say about arsenal always is not very knowledgeable and equally people oh, yeah. find that entertaining <laughs> i think yeah, that might maybe. be something to do with it as well uh but look i really i'm just seeing the comments come through down there. it's really like thank you everyone for for, for congratulating us so uh, aravind the post that aravind uh the uh, just sent through before it's true i didn't realize 100th episode on our tail 100th win that's a really good point like wow 100th win um that would just, so that was a, quick, it's a nice one yeah yeah do you when you said the team has come a long way i actually yeah do you remember what game we covered in our first episode oh man all right it won't, it won't um, be that well, okay, it, it was it okay, was uh, good do you remember i don't if you remember i'll be no, very so what i'm so where i'm like, going in my mind i'm going back to exactly where where like what season it was and stuff and i'm remembering it wasn't that far it, we weren't that many episodes in where i did that big like monologue about our defensive pairings 
And so I'm trying to work back from that. But anyway, I'm, no, I'm not going to get anywhere. I'm going to waste an hour. On so it was a, as far as I can tell, it was February 2021, so two years ago. Yeah. It was a 4-2 win against Leeds. Uh, the back four that day, or back five, Bernd Leno <laughs> in goal, Cedric at left back, Gabriel, David Luiz, and Hector Bellerin, a team featuring Danny Ceballos, Abamyang, Smith Rowe started, um, and so did Xhaka, Odegaard, and Saka. So... We have our back four certainly has come a long wow. way. Wow, jeez, that's crazy. We won though. We won four <laughs> two. Yeah, according to this, Abamian got a hat trick. So um, that's what I can't remember pre- that game. Yeah. I mean, it was lockdown, right? So all of those lockdown games have just merged into one big, yeah, messy, fanless experience. Yeah, thing. Yeah, but um, no, certainly <laughs> I we really have. I can't remember that game way. at all, though. <laughs> I, d- I still can't, I don't know, you know, usually still something twigs. I can't remember that. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember any of it. Um, no, I c- couldn't tell you anything about it. We'll have to go back and listen. Well, uh, of the next 100 that we do, assuming that we do another 100, how many do you think Nero is going to make? <laughs> Less than the first 100. <laughs> many, as many times as we've probably seen Cedric play left back. Put it that way. <laughs> that's it. That's it. We need to get yeah. him back on. We need to get him back on. Yeah, I think I think Stevie was caught, Stevie tweeted us saying, "I hope Nero joins the the hundredth. But I think the problem uh, to, be, to be fair to him, he's not in the country again, so you know, constantly jet seeing this guy. But I think like even the episodes that he tries to make, he can't you know start his router or whatever. You know, <laughs> he's still on dial up. I think because he he he, uh, he had some technical issues last week when we me and Aaron and were trying to get him on and. Yeah. Tried all sorts, just yeah. We, we, we joke how, like, on episode one, we didn't know the internet, how to use the internet, and <laughs> Nero still doesn't know how to use the internet. <laughs> it's uh, it's also interesting because a hundred episodes down, uh, if you reflect, if you go to the beginning, I remember, do you remember there were other, I'm not going to name who they were because I don't, it's not because of, it's, a, it's, it's negative on them. It's just interesting. I remember there were Liverpool fans of, uh, you know, <laughs> friends of ours who are Liverpool fans. Who And I remember one of them, you know, they, they said that they basically were like trying to convince their little friendship pool to do a podcast. And I remember he said, and he, 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 he said to them, he was like, listen, those lot, they're doing a podcast and they're crap. <laughs> and we're doing so well we should be able to do a podcast man like and it's nice it's true though right back there we were it was tough <laughs> episodes we were really upset when we were like having to do that it was therapy but it's very different now isn't it it's bloody good i mean maybe let's just slide right into that it just uh another win it's well i mean i kind of it's getting a little bit boring not i don't mean it boring it's not boring winning fucking brilliant winning but you know before when we're doing the first like first 10 20 episodes you never knew right so every episode it's just are we going to be really upset today are we going to you know have to talk about how good we were are we going to have to talk about bad we were and this is this is great every week you know it's just failing to 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 come up with new things to say about this great team at the moment uh aaron and tell me three nil uh away at fulham I think we all expected that we would win. Did we? Did What were the predictions? I didn't. I, I didn't do I it didn't. last episode. No, you didn't. I don't think we did predictions, but I was not confident until I saw the team sheet. Um, I, with uh, with Trossard, well, it, it sounded like Trossard would be out. It sounded like Enketia would be out. 
we assume Jesus would still be out. And there were there were even doubts about Erdegaard, right? And I thought, well, actually, without our front three strikers, well, first three kind of striker-like people, um, we would really, really struggle to break down a Fulham team that have been doing really, really well. Um, but then I th- I saw that team news and like, what a what a boost, right? And the minute I saw that team news, I was like, that's it. Um, we've won this game. And I didn't think it'll be this comfortable, but bloody hell, was it? It was really, that first half was really, really good, wasn't it? Damn good. Did you have a similar sense? Did you think this was going to be a trickier fixture than um, than you realised? And did, did the lineup make you feel like it was going to be a better day than you might have thought? Yeah, so I, I predicted, we did do predictions. So I think, Aaron, you predicted a win. I predicted a draw because I was a bit worried. I, I think going into this one, you know, especially considering we played a couple of days ago away um, at Lisbon and then City won yesterday as well, obviously. So I felt like the pressure was probably, is obviously going to be on us to, you know, match their result. Um, so I felt like it might just be a bit of a banana skin. And yeah, Fulham had been pretty good this season, right? Um so yeah, I was a little bit concerned, but like like Aaron was just saying, like it didn't didn't really. It, okay, so even after seeing the team sheet, I was re- obviously very very pleasantly surprised and happy that Trossard was back in the team. I mean, I think Charles Watts broke the news that um, last night. I think it was that Trossard and Hazus should be in the squad. Um, so that was obviously a big boost um, because yeah, if you don't have Trossard, you don't have Eddie, and you don't have Hazus, you're kind of you know, you're probably looking at someone like Reese Nelson or maybe Smith Rowe. And not to say that they aren't necessarily good options. You still want your first, you know, you want one of your first choice forwards to be available. So, um, did, did yeah. I take a lie? Did he, was this mind game? Well, he said, well, he said, what did he say? I didn't really see the presser before. Did he just say Trossard wasn't going to be a fit or? I'm pretty sure he said Trossard, were, I'm pretty sure he said Eddie and, and Trossard were out. And he basically talked about how Jesus had they 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 you know he had been in training he had been looking good, but he 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 sort of said words to the effect that Jesus had been doing some motions in training and through doing those motions he himself thought that he needs more time. So it wasn't that Arteta said he needs more time. Jesus in doing some of these moves had kind of you know introspectively said that he needed more time. Yeah. So. I think everyone sort of took that to mean he needed more time. And then I think he commented that Tierney was unwell, so Tierney wouldn't feature. Yeah, there was a bug, wasn't there, through the squad. I mean, look, I think if Jesus was obviously back doing ball work and, and training with the squad last week, right? Like, he's also basically in full training. And I guess once, you, once you're back in full training, mm. the risk of putting that player on the bench with a view to maybe giving them five or 10, maybe 15 minutes, and we were 3-0 up by the point, to point he came on anyway, right? Yeah. So, um not kind of yeah i guess maybe it's pretty low risk and yeah like i mean look, overall going into it before the game i yeah i was a little bit worried but i mean yeah like you guys sort of said it right the, the some of the football that we played and i think just fulham were not able to cope with us today at all the first yeah. half we were we were just irresistible it was like some real champagne football um you know quick passing fluid know interchange of play in the final third it was loads of one and two touch stuff which you know when that comes off it just looks so good we just we were able yeah we just able to cut them open so many times and yeah three nil at half time obviously um yeah just super impressed 
it's interesting if you look at some of the real tactical analysis that people have done since the game i don't know if you guys have had managed to look at it but on the face of it when i watched the game and i think even when the commentators were sort of watching the game they were making it sound very much that oh you know arsenal playing good football fulham have just not been at the races and you know arsenal making it look very easy etc and um, the analysis, the tactical analysis since then that I've read is, is quite interesting where it, it effectively indicates that Fulham did have a plan of how they were going to try and beat us. And they had a very, very specific kind of pressing plan and a very specific way in which they thought that we were going to pass and therefore wanted to cut lanes out. So you can almost see all the lanes of passing that they were going to try and cut out. But seemingly we we had already figured out that they were probably going to do that and played Xhaka in slightly different areas than he has been normally, creating basically this pocket of space in the kind of, let's say, sort of number eight kind of area where Trossard was falling into all the time. And that completely, I guess, knocked out the strategy that Fulham were trying to do in the lanes that they were trying to cut out. And that very simple thing meant that we were having so much space that they just didn't know what to what to do. Um so I thought I was just an incredible. I mean, I didn't pick that up during the game. There's obviously people analysing it after the fact. But you know, Aaron, and did you get a sense of any of that during the game? And and what impressed you about what we did? And uh, so I what, got. Yeah, I think it was very evident early on that this wasn't a an Everton deep block performance mm-hmm. from Fulham. Right, they weren't sitting back, doubling up on our wingers and hoping that they could just contain us. It. I don't really know what Fulham were doing. Like, look, we were good, but let's not mess about here. Fulham were also rubbish. <laughs> um, I think Marco Silva said the first 45 minutes was the worst they've ever played this season. So, look, I still, I still think even when the opposition is bad, you still have to do a lot to look as good as we did. So I'm not saying it's all down to that. But I think Fulham were just doing that weird thing where they weren't sure maybe because of the system we were playing and the way we were positioning our players, that they weren't sure whether they should press, whether they should sit back, and they kind of did a bit of both, and it just left so much space, especially for players like Thomas Partey, Xhaka, and for the midfielders, actually, all three of them, Odegaard, Xhaka, and Partey, where they could just boss the entire game. And it looked like we were just moving it around for fun. We were getting the ball into dangerous areas really quickly, and... I'm sure we'll speak about Trossard in a minute, but just this system with Trossard up, you know, in a, what we call a false nine and interchanging with Martinelli and Saka doing his thing and Zinchenko roaming around, I think is really, really hard to defend against because you can't just, you can't just set up in a shape because constantly all these players are going to be dragging you out of your shape. Um, and then we've got the quality on the one-on-ones to actually beat a man and then, even further mess about with their shape. I think it's really, really exciting to see this system develop. And um, I just love watching us play when we when we play this way. Absolutely. Um, Trossard and what you alluded to in, in terms of kind of what he's bringing in those combinations. I think one of the real impressive things from my perspective is that those are really new combinations that we've been forced to kind of figure out over the last game or so, not game or so, the last few games, right? And for it to be working at that level, how much of that do you think is down to my is the fact that we signed a player who is at 28, peak age, Premier League experience, 
is that what you get? Is that the benefit of of what you get when you get a player in their prime with Premier League experience? Or would you say it's just as much or not more just the tactical brilliance of Mikel Arteta and, and, and how he's got this team to respond to what he clearly tries to transmit? I mean, easy answer is probably a bit of both, right? But look, on Trossard specifically, like you said, like you just, you sort of touched on, like basically put it like this, no one's talking about Mudrik anymore and what could have been with him or us getting him. So I think that tells you everything in regards to kind of how quickly Trossard has settled in. And of course it, it helps, right? The fact that he's been in the Premier League for a few seasons. Um, yeah, he's an experienced player, an international player, all of those things will obviously help contribute to him being able to make an impact immediately for us. And that's basically what we needed, right? Our January signings, for the most part, had to be players that would come in and fit straight in. And if we needed to call upon them for, you know, either off the bench or for a period of games, they would be able to come in and and do a job straight away and, and have that impact. And both Jorginho and Trossard have done that. So I think, you know, from a, from that perspective, in terms of our January business, you know, looking back after what I say, looking back, but after a few weeks or after a month or so, you can look at what we've done in January and really, really be happy with you know the impact that these players are happy, uh, have had so far. I think on Trossard, yeah, like you know, you sort of touched on it. He just seems like a really intelligent player. So I think kind of whatever, whatever. Arteta is expected of him or expecting of him him in the role that he's playing. It feels like he is intelligent enough to kind of pick up on the direction that, you know, he's being given um, and the sort of commands he's been given. And yeah, like Aaron said, right, he can play through the middle as his false nine, but he swaps over with Marcelli and it's really seamless. Um, and that's really, really good to see because I was really worried, like, without kind of, your main two strikers, when you look at Jesus and Eddie, it was a bit of a worry. It was like, well, if if Martinelli plays through the middle, is he really comfortable there? If Trossard plays through the middle, is that a bit of a risk? But the fact that we found this kind of way of making it work with both of them and then both linking up really, really, like like I say, comfortably or seamlessly, um, you know, that's, yeah, it's just been, again, super, super, like, yeah, just really impressive. And I... I like it's, I guess we're going to talk. I don't know if we're going to talk about it now or afterwards because the the kind of the Hazus factor comes in. And now, what does our front three look like mm. for the rest of the season? But that's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, we, we should let's we should talk about that in in a bit of depth. Just before we get onto that, I mean, Trossard himself. This is the a Premier League record: three assists in the first half of a game. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. It's interesting because I thought about when we played Fulham a few years back and it was Willian's first game for us and he got a hat-trick of assists. Uh, it seems like that's just what we do there at the moment. But with Trossard, I thought one of the very cool things was that despite the fluidity in, in how he was playing and despite kind of that vast sort of whole left-hand side and then central area that he was kind of exploring and rotating with Martinelli, all his three assists came within almost a five yard radius of, of one another right there was the corner and then and then um, the, the two crosses that you put in are basically just from that 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 very similar area but they're all really different crosses right like they were super interesting and Aaron which was probably for you the most impressive of those three assists oh I really like the one the one for Martinelli I thought was the best because it just the way it seemed to just hang in the air allowed 
Martinelli to just do enough to get it in. And I thought, like, there were different ways of dealing with that cross. He could have smashed it in low. He could have just um, even had a shot from where he was. But actually, you know, kind of the way he hung it up, I thought that was really good. To be fair, like, I think generally we've been pretty bad at corners over the last few months. And to see us score a goal again from a corner was really nice because a bit of a throwback to some of our pre-World Cup form. So that's always good. Um, and then the Odegaard one, I mean, it was a good assist, but Odegaard still had a lot to do, albeit he was allowed to do that by the Fulham defence. Um, well, that was the same so, with the second one as well, I thought. I thought, you know, if you look at it back, both the Martinelli goal and the Odegaard goal, there's about five Fulham players around the player that scores it. It's like really poor from them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, they should have... They should have stopped us with both those goals. And I think I said during the game, right, it seemed like the goals they should have stopped, they didn't. But then every time we'd created a world-class, almost goal of the season-like opportunity, they come up with these like brilliant saves or brilliant blocks. Um, so, look, it was yeah, we deserved to win that game comfortably. It wasn't due to Fulham's average to poor defensive performance. But, no, I, I just love Trossard, man. I just think he's such a good player. And the fact that we've got him now, like like you said, Mize, we were talking about Mudrick and Mudrick could go on to be a very, very good player over the, the you know, well, he's got eight years to do it at Chelsea, right? So hopefully <laughs> you know, Chelsea will be hoping he does. But um, for now, I think we, we said this in whenever we spoke after wrapping up our January deadline day podcast was we assigned players. We needed players for now. We needed players for half a season to get us through to hopefully a league title in May, right? And it was a, let's not have any regrets come come May about who we signed and who we didn't sign. And we have got players who are either, you know, in and around their peak in Jorginho and, and Trossard who can contribute now, right? And, you know, we've seen and we've discussed Jorginho's contribution over the last couple of weeks when Partey's been out, but Trossard is covering and stepping and actually excelling probably most people's expectations of what we needed from him already, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, before we dive into a conversation about that kind of front piece, just to lead onto that, Gabriel Jesus being named on the bench, Myers, was, I think, yeah, let's, let's go back for the, for the context again. When he got injured... Arsenal were five points in the lead um, at the top of the Premier League. And everyone, even Arsenal fans, thought, well, do you know what? Like, if we can if we can stay in a title race, that'll be super impressive, you know, in this time that he's away. It'll just be super impressive if we can just be there and thereabouts. Um, I don't think anyone, anyone thought that we would still be five points, you know, at the top of the table during this whole period that he's been out. So the fact that we've been able to sustain that is ridiculous Jamie Carragher pointed it out um the other week as well it, 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 it's it's an amazing achievement by the squad and the team and and the, the manager but how much do you think that the squad and the manager were buoyed by the fact that Gabriel Jesus was on the bench today um do you think that do you think that it will in any way it could in any way uh affect the balance in a negative way or do you think that there is nothing but positive about this and it probably had something to do with how well those players played even prior to him coming on the pitch I don't know about the last but like I mean yeah of course it would have been a massive boost but I guess if you're in and around the club like basically the players the, the you know the start the staff uh, everyone I guess everyone probably 
has an all of those people internal to the club will have an idea as to when Jesus was going to come back. Mm. Um, so, of course, it will be a boost. It must have been a boost, but I don't necessarily think it contributes massively to the players that started the game. You know, putting in that performance, especially in the first half. But look, I mean, just on Jesus and like you mentioned about, I get you know the balance of the the front three and. I guess the question is, you know, what's our first choice front three for the running, assuming, you know, these are the players that we have fit for the rest of the season. I guess Eddie comes back at some point, hopefully fairly soon. I mean, like just because like from my perspective, just because we cope so well without him for the last two or three months, that doesn't mean that we're a better team, <clears throat> excuse me, a better team without him. And it doesn't mean that we're a better kind of attacking force without him. Like, so for me, he's still... He's still one of the like elite players that we've got in the squad. So he's obviously not a prolific goal scorer. We know that. But, you know, the three of us, we keep saying, or the four of us in our group chat, we keep saying, you know, the way that Arteta wants this team to score goals is across the team. He wants everyone to contribute. And you can see that, right? Now we're getting towards the end of the season. You can see that all of the forwards are scoring, defenders are scoring, the goals are coming from everywhere, basically. But so, so with that in mind, we're not looking at Jesus as the guy to get the goals. But I think in terms of what he brings to the team is everything we've already talked about from the first half of the season, right? Um, and I think he just takes the front three up at a level that, you know, no one else in the team can can really do that, uh, can really do. Um, and, you know, I think it's easy to, because we've done so well without him, I guess there's some Arsenal fans, maybe even some of the three, between the three of us that think, you know, we've kind of been fooled into thinking we're maybe a better team without him. But for me, that's just that's just just not true. Because if you look back or think back to the start of the season, you think about like the Bournemouth away game, for example. You know, we were raving about how good he was. You know, yeah. hold up play, linking up with Martinelli, dropping deep in the box. You know, everything, everything about his game. You know, and his pressing, how quickly he wins the ball back, how important that is for us in terms of the way we play. You know, all of those things. Um, for me, you can't forget, you know, you can't forget those qualities that he he brings. So I think he comes straight as soon as he's fully fit and he's like, and to be fair, he came on today and he looked fit, you know, he looked sharp. He looked on it. You know, he didn't look, um, yeah, he, he, he looked completely, not completely, but he looked sharp, um, considering he's been out for so long. I know he missed the chance, but otherwise, everything in fairness, in fairness, he was missing those yeah. chances before yeah, yeah, he yeah, got yeah, injured. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so for me, I think once he's, you know, completely fit i think he i think he plays and i think it's then more of a question of do you play martinelli or trossard down the left um it's a tough one um because both are playing really well at the moment um but i think if you're talking about jesus i think he has to play in that front three and especially for some of the big games we've got coming up like i think the time that he's come back now is really good because we've got you know lisbon palace leeds i think and then it's Liverpool, I think so, and probably Europe, potentially Europa League in, in in and around that time as well. But you know, in terms of the league, you know, if he can get himself fit over the next couple of weeks, with you know some appearances or some minutes in those 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 Palace and Leeds games, and then the Liverpool one is huge. And I think when you pick an eleven for Liverpool away, Jesus a fit Jesus makes that eleven without question for me. Aaron, you know, I know you've not been Eddie's biggest fan in the world you've not been a critic but you've not been his biggest fan but I don't think that you know um you or any of us therefore to be honest have, have felt that 
Eddie poses any threat to Jesus's place, right? Even the times where Eddie was playing quite well, I think we all thought that, you know, when Jesus comes back, he'd get in the team. But sort of, you know, to to, to sort of the theme that Myers was talking about around when he is fit and how important he is and he kind of slots in there. The, the last few games where this combination of Trossard and Martinelli has been bubbling and it's not always been fantastic, but it's today, you know, it, it was it was really awesome. Do you still think it's a case where uh, the wide two positions are almost rotating and up for grabs? But now that Jesus is here, if he's assuming he's fully fit, he's the one that starts unless he needs to be rested. I think eventually when he's fully fit, that'll probably be what we start with mm-hmm. in the in the big games, right? Because like, you, like Maya said, I think Jesus brings so much in terms of movement, defensive ability, tackling. I think he's literally one of the best in terms of 50-50 duels. Um, he just seems to always win them. Um, so, yeah, I think he will go with that. And then I think as a if we are starting Jesus, you know, we've not seen what Trossard is like with Jesus, and maybe that's something we try out in training and in a few games to see what that's like. But that combination of Martinelli and Jesus was, for me, really, really good. We saw Martinelli get into so many dangerous positions. He looked really good. Jesus looked really good out wide. So I do think it will be, you know, the first three, that the first choice front three that we would expect in Martinelli, Jesus and Saka. But the good thing is we've got options. So if Jesus is not, you know, 100% fit yet, we don't have to rush him back because I do really like this system where Trossard is kind of roaming around, not not doing exactly what Jesus does, but does a lot of Jesus-like things. But then, you know, if what we're, you know, if we're literally telling Trossard to do Jesus-like things, we might as well just play Jesus, you know, because he will do Jesus-like things too, probably, hopefully, a lot better than Trossard. So, yeah, I do think... Jesus is probably like probably if I'd say like our best our best player if you had to argue like, who's our best player in this current team in terms of like experience talent um the things he's really really good at he's probably up there with Thomas Partey I'd say but and it, it'll be crazy not to have someone like that in your team especially when you get to those big games the good thing is with this Trossard system I'm a big fan of it. I think it just gives us a bit of breathing room. If come Palace, he's not fully fit and we want to give him maybe 15 minutes. You know, if this, if we're playing with Nketi up front, I think we probably start Jesus against Palace. But actually, because this system's working so well, we can afford to use Jesus off the bench or maybe play Jesus in the Europa League and give him the international break to fully see how he is. And then even if he's not back to 100% yet, just ease him in and not rush. And that is, you know, we saw a very similar thing with Jorginho, right? Where we had Thomas Partey back and he sat on the bench for a few games just to ease himself back. Whereas previously, if we were playing Lokonga, I think Thomas Partey would have come in two or three games ago. But actually the fact that he was able to be rested and eased back in allows him to just be a lot more fresh for this run in and we saw how good Thomas Partey was today and so a lot of that is probably down to the fact that Jorginho exists in this squad so if Trossard's function is the fact that he can just take minutes off those other players to just ease them back in that's phenomenal work for me yeah I agree you know just I want to rewind just to a point that you made about uh 
whether Jesus is our best player kind of thing. Um, what's really cool is, is given how Arsenal are playing at the moment, we could probably debate that point for hours because there's so many com- contenders at the moment. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the um, pre-game today, I think Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank said that he thinks Saka is player of the season in the Premier League. Um, you know, at full time, Jamie Redknapp said Odegaard's probably the best best central midfielder in the Premier League right now. And, you know, and that's including De Bruyne because De Bruyne is not, you know, doesn't seem quite quite at it. Gabriel's been immense. Zinchenko's won our player of the month two months in a row. You know, like you said, Partey is just, uh, you know, when he's on form and he's on form nine times out of 10 now, he's phenomenal. So, we, you know, maybe we should dedicate dedicate 20, 20 minutes, half an hour on one of our future episodes to, to, to going into that or do a proper end of the season who's been our best player where I'm sure we can just indulge for hours. But um, I wanted to ask you something on someone that uh, didn't get any minutes today which is weird. It's weird to, you know, on a 3-0 on a big victory to, to talk about someone who wasn't playing. But Emil Smith-Rowe, we have spoken about him on and off, you know, on, on episodes recently about whether he would start the next game. We always said, oh, is he going to come off the bench? Is he going to whatever? And, it, you know, um, today he didn't play any minutes at all. And there's no indication that he didn't play any minutes at all because of anything injury related. You know, we know that he's back training and he's been playing games. Maybe he's being eased, in, eased into it, etc. But, but he didn't play any minutes at all. Mize, what do you think about that? I mean, I have some potential theories, but did it surprise you? A little, a little, but then I think I'd be really interested to hear hear your theories, but I mean, just really quickly, I guess when you look at the subs that were made, and I, I think I made this comment in our group chat, like you look at the bench now and it looks, the word I used was dependable, I think, which for me, like when you look at the bench and you look at the players, there are players there that you can bring on either when you need a goal um, and, and we're chasing a game or on the flip side, like today, you just kind of want to close a game out and you want to maybe save some legs for Thursday, save some legs for next week, um, you know, and, and, and swap it, change it around a bit. Um, and I think if you think back a few weeks, I can't remember exactly when there was a couple of games, it might have been January time, I think it might have been the Newcastle game where we obviously needed a goal. And I think Arteta looked at the bench and I don't remember him. I don't know if he made a sub or not, but I don't think there were really, really any good options that he could he could bring on um, when we were trying to get a goal in that game. And we're, we're, it's, it's completely changed now after the January signings and players coming back um, from injury. So, like, I'm not, I'm not massively surprised because if you look at who came on, Nelson, Tierney... Um, obviously Jesus, Vieira, Tomiyasu, they're all kind of, you know, arguably close to, fir- you know, first team players, if not very close to being first team players. So, um, 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 yeah, and maybe with Smith Rowe, I, I don't know. I mean, look, even if he was going to start on Thursday, potentially he still could have got a few minutes today, but I think maybe it's just down to the quality of the other options in the bench on the bench, but Obviously, you've got a theory, so yeah, very keen to hear that. Well, my, my theory is not completely, yeah, it's, it's nothing groundbreaking. But um, what I mean, one thing I, I wondered just that Arteta seems like quite a ruthless coach uh, in a in a fantastic way. It feels like he is constantly trying to evolve the team, and he could be completely reliant on someone one season or for a period of games. But if he evolves the team, and if that player is is not quite being able to do exactly what he needs them to do, 
we've seen it with Tierney. Uh, he's pretty, he can be pretty, pretty ruthless. Um, and I, I personally think, you know, for the good of Arsenal Football Club, that is a good thing. Uh, now, he obviously relied on Smith Rowe heavily before he got injured. He got the number 10 shirt. Uh, it was massive. And I think, you know, people, there, there was a period of time where people probably said he's just as important. Smith was just as important as Saka was to, to Arsenal. You know, there was a, a prolonged period of time, I think, where that was the case. I just am starting to wonder a little bit about whether, you know, Smith Rowe has, obviously the injuries happened and obviously it's going to take time. Um, and part of that is is probably the case. But I just, I wondered a little bit if he is looking, Arteta is looking at his squad and looking at the options and going purely on a what I need you to do in this team, purely from where where I need my team to be right now. I'm not picking you. I'm not putting you on, you know, I'm not bringing you on purely on an ability and form and and just, you know, I guess what I need is not what you can give me right now type basis. Aaron and just sort of nodding do you agree yeah i think i think it's probably a bit of both look i think his fitness is always going to be a concern and i think there is an element of if he was fully fit would we give him the chance to get to that level if we're winning a three no up yeah we probably would um but ultimately look he's been out in and out of this team for pretty much since the start of the season and the the team have leveled up right <laughs> and he hasn't really had the chance to show that he can level up in the last six months. And right now, who would you put Smith Rowe ahead of, right? You wouldn't put him ahead of Trossard. You wouldn't put him ahead of Martinelli. You wouldn't put him ahead of Shaka. You'd say probably like if Vieira's getting minutes, but Vieira's our big summer 30 million pound signing. So he's almost got he's a bit growing of a, in effectiveness. Yeah. He's, he's almost got a bit of a right to be ahead of Smith Rowe. So Smith Rowe has got to earn his place back. Um, and he'll get minutes to prove his fitness and to prove his uh, ability. And I'm I'm confident he will, but he he has to earn his place back. And if he, and I, and I think, look, if that doesn't happen this season, I'm okay with that. Um, but I don't, we're going to need someone like Smith Rowe for hopefully a year or two. Um, so, yeah, let's. Like, I've got a lot of faith in him. I think he can come good. I think the the bigger issue is what position. Does he play? Like, is he that left eight or is he a left, kind of a, left, a wide left player? Myers, you were going to say something. Yeah, we even said. Sorry, that, yeah. yeah, no, sorry, I didn't mean to like interrupt. But yeah, I mean, I didn't personally. I don't think it's a quality thing because I think Raju was sort of saying, is Arteta looking at looking looking at him and thinking and and you know maybe questioning his his quality? I think is what you said. Quali- uh, and maybe I explain that about it. Yes, quality, but in the sense of this is what I need from my team right now in terms of. Mm you know, the roles I want them to play, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and actually, have I evolved away from you a little bit and you don't have the qualities that I need right now for the roles that I have set up? Mm. Yeah, it's a fair point. I think I think the main concern is fitness, right? Like, there's other players that are more reliable. Like, yeah, I, I, Aaron, and to your point about who would he come in ahead of, none of our first, he wouldn't start ahead of anyone in our first team for sure. But I think when you're looking at players coming off the bench, um he he's one of the guys that i think i think in a game where we need a goal he might be one of the if you've got five subs to make i think he's one of the guys that you probably do turn to maybe not ahead of Vieira, but certainly he's got to be up there right otherwise what's the point in having him on the bench like do you know what i mean um he's stuck between a rock and a hard place a little mm, bit isn't it because he can't he's we've invested so much as a club in him 
and also form wise right yeah like he's been out so he he's got to get minutes to get form so for him to play himself back into the team he's either got to be unbelievable on the training pitch or he's got to get some minutes and, and play himself back into the team or into contention so i yeah i'd be devastated like i mean look smith Rowe, like if it, if it like because tierney it looks like his Arsenal career is probably going to come to an end this summer. It looks like we're going to take the money for him if that comes in. So if that happens with Smith, I'll be devastated. Not devastated, like it's going to be a massive loss to our first team or our aspirations to be a top club, you know, a top team again going forward. But just from like, it'd just be really sad. It'd just be really sad that I know you mean. him and Saka kind of came, you know, broke into the team very similar times or similar kind of eras in terms of Arsenal eras. And yeah, it just would be nice to see him succeed, um, especially because of fitness as well. Those reasons, is, it's always a bit sad. But yeah, he could have think, a big, really big part to play in the running, to be honest. I can see him playing some minutes in the Xhaka role. I really think he could do well in that left eight role. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he's got he's got a lot of the attributes, but we what we said like in the group chat, we said, you know, what Xhaka offers, yeah, like the stuff that you don't see, the leadership, the leadership that he offers, you know, and obviously he's just a t- very tough kind of tough tackling type of player, offers a lot defensively as well. Smith Rowe probably doesn't give you that. So, Aaron, you were saying something. I was just going to say, I think the as much as we kind of hate the Europa League and like we see it as a bit of an inconvenience this season. Actually, Thursday's Europa League game is actually quite a big game for a lot of these players. Um, we've got about five or six players where actually, if yeah, hopefully we're not going to go out of the Europa League, but if if we do, that could be their last game of the season. Um, and they need these minutes to prove that they should be in are in for a shout at being that first team or first name off the bench or that second name off the bench. Right, we've got five substitutes, and you know when. They first announced the rule change from three to five. We were like, five substitutes, that's crazy. But now, like, five doesn't seem enough. We could have bought on about <laughs> six or seven players this game, right? Um, and we, and look, for players like Tierney, Smith Rowe, Vieira, Jorginho, Kibior, Turner, uh, Tommy Asu, all of these guys are going to be desperate to make an impression on Thursday. Um, and then you, you know, we, we can probably talk about this later on, but we probably give Jesus a run out, maybe 20, 30 minutes there as well, if we need to. Um, if Nketiah, I don't know how far away or how bad his injury is, but if he's fit, he probably wants minutes. Reese Nelson probably wants minutes. Um, there's a whole bunch of players there who are desperate. When you've got a team doing well and when you've got options, those you, know, you want to be, you, you know, we talked about this against last week, but Reese Nelson came off the bench to have an impact to kind of be the hero. A lot of these players, players like Smith Rowe, Smith Rowe is going to be desperate to be a hero in a game, in a league game, right? And the only way he's going to do that is um, if there are other injuries. And thankfully, that's not a problem. Um, so it's going to be through kind of just hard work and grafting in the Europa League to kind of set up something so he can come on in a league game when we need to. Otherwise, like you said, yes, if we need a goal, we might bring on Smith Rowe, but if Trossard is on the bench, we're probably going to bring on Trossard first. If Vieira's on the bench, we're probably bring on Vieira. Then it's a question of, do we bring on Nelson, for example, who's probably done more off the bench than Smith-Rowe has? And then you're looking at Smith-Rowe being the fourth or fifth substitute uh, when we need a goal. Um, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. It, it is. Um, it's an interesting cocktail, isn't it? Because we've got... There's like three ingredients, I think. There's the... Having a winning team... 
having prizes to play for and having competition for places. And those three things have a really interesting relationship, I think, where you you never quite know exactly what drives what sometimes. Like two of those things will drive one of those things and they're, you know, they're really well connected. And the longer you can keep those three three things going, the longer that you will have those three things, if that makes sense. Um, But, you know, the moment you take one away, the other two things can fall apart. And so right now, I think it's, it is fantastic. I I think it's really worth us deep diving um, another day. I'm sure we will at the end of the season about, you know, the fact of the matter is we are not going to be, there is no club that is in a financial situation where they will never have to sell players. And as our kind of evolution continues, but also is probably faster, faster than we thought it was going to be because, you know, we're probably ahead of schedule in some ways. Um, now I wonder, you know, if we're going to be seeing a couple of players that we really don't want to go because we have emotional attachment to them, um, be sold over the next year or so, because we want to generate funds because there are some really other big things that Arteta and the, and, and, uh, Eddie want to do, but maybe that's, that's for another day before we start previewing maybe our next couple of games. Uh, let's have a look at this league table, um, which I mean, it's pretty, isn't it? It's it, <laughs> we are after we lost to city. I don't think city thought that we would win our next five games in a row. Like, I don't think that they thought that we would better their next five results. And yeah. City have still been really good over the last their last five games. They've dropped points in one game. They've just drawn one out of their last five. But we won our last five. They've really, won, they won five and six. They won that because that includes our okay, game, right? Yeah. 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 yeah so yeah, since exactly. then, the five they've won four and drawn one, and then we won five. So you know, you know, I like to think City are there a little bit. Going okay, I know that you know we're good, but uh, this is a bit annoying. You know, Arsenal uh, uh, won't kind of go away. Do you guys feel differently today than you did? I I mean, I know I I sort of ask this every episode, but it's getting to that point of the season where it's almost worth reflecting on every episode. Do you feel differently about our title hopes now than you did pre-Fulham? I'll go to Aaron and maybe first. Uh, No, I don't actually. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I think. um, Yeah. I said this last week in that, Myers, I think you said, are City capable of like literally going on a mad run between now and the end of the season and potentially winning every single game? I, th- I think they can. Um, and if they do, I don't know if we have got kind of like super team, world-class level of form like, and, cap- and ability to match that so if city almost go into beast mode and do what they are capable of then i'm worried and i think they are capable of doing it because they can just win every game i said this last week they're favorites for every game they go into that yes they've got liverpool but they're going to be overwhelming favorites to beat liverpool in a few weeks um the only hope is they get distracted by a champions league run i still think we're going to have to bank on them getting distracted um and yeah, it's going to take a few gifts. They're going. To, I still think if City go on and win, I think. Let me ask you guys, right? If City hypothetically go on and win every single game, including beating us between now and the end of the season, do you think we win the league? No, because I think I, I don't see us. In order for that to happen, 
And for us to win the league, we'd have to win every single game aside from C. Exactly. And like that is a scenario I can see us getting unstuck on. Um, if I that doesn't happen. Just... Yeah, go on. You think I'm going to see too much credit? No, not too much. Not too, mu- not too much based on the last few seasons. Definitely not. But I think based on this season, they're, they're definitely capable, capable of it, right? But like to answer your question, Raj, do I believe a little bit more after today's game? A little bit. I think I do a little bit just because I think, you know, the way that we've been winning games recently, maybe not the Everton game, but some of the other games, you know, winning last minute, but we're still, we've been conceding goals. We've been a bit leaky, you know, yeah, basically we've been conceding goals, been quite leaky at the back. There's been a concern there. Um, You know, there were question marks about Hazers being injured. There were question marks when Partey got injured um there's i think there's been a lot of questions that have been asked of arsenal which we've now answered and i think now we're coming into a period where it's just about ticking the games off and as much as like aaron and what you said is completely true right city can go and do that but i kind of have a fair bit of confidence that arsenal could potentially go and do that now as well i'm not saying we will because there's still some really tough games to come there's some really tough away games but I can't see City, personally, I don't see, even when you look at City's fixtures, which look pretty decent on paper, I still, like yesterday, for example, they scraped through, they scraped past Palace. I didn't watch the game, to be fair, so I can't say how well they played or not. But ultimately, if you're winning 1-0 off a penalty in the 77th minute, whatever it was, you know, you've probably not played amazingly well. Um, and I and I, I don't think City win every single game. Um, and so I think that obviously puts us in the driving seat. And it's just about... It's just about us being focused for every single game um, and treating it literally like treating each one like a cup final. Um, and like, you know, there's so many positives. There's so many boosts now. You think that party's back. He's in, he's in, you know, he's in form. He's playing really well. The January signings are doing, have done a really good job so far. Hazus is back. You know, everyone's pretty much fit, touch wood. Um, so I think there's a lot of reasons to start to believe that it could happen. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that it will, but we should we should have some, I don't know. I think, I feel like we should have more confidence over since the definitely. I mean, do you not have any more confidence since we lost? No, I do. I think what you said there was actually probably what I feel, which is what's changed today is that if, if the requirement is that like city have gone into beast mode and have won every single game. And the way we are going to win the title is by basically being perfect between now and the end of the season. I feel a little bit more confident that we are going to be able to do that. Um, because actually the, the players coming back, the players staying fit, assuming they stay fit from now on in the season, we are also going to be favourites, except maybe the City game, but we've got that buffer now where hypothetically we can still drop points to City and assuming we do everything we need to do in every single other game, which we will be favourites for, we can, it will get us over the line. And I do feel a tad bit more confident that we can do that. Hopefully it won't come to it, right? Hopefully City throw us a little bit more of a buffer and we can then go and maybe drop points in another couple of games. But, but, you know yeah. what's given you know what's given me the most confidence in us now? I'm not again, I'm not saying that we we we're, we're going to win the league because I think as an Arsenal fan it's quite hard to kind of go full kind of like commitment considering in the back of your mind you're like, yeah, we've been hurt so many times before and you know that there's the Man United fans and the Liverpool fans and the Tottenham fans waiting to go at you as soon as, you know, if it does happen, we fall off. But what's giving me the most confidence now 
it's just the way that we're playing, like the way that we're winning games. And obviously today's a great example of that. But I think even if Fulham had turned up and even if like Palina had been fit, for example, and you know, even if they'd played essentially a bit better than what they did or defended a bit better, I still would back us based on how good we were today and how good we've been to go and win the game. And that's why I was messaging you guys saying, you know, for me, the clean sheet today, after we went, I think, one or two new up, I was like, it sounds really obvious because we're two new up. I, I want us to keep a clean sheet because obviously that means we win the game. But I really wanted to get a clean sheet out of today's game because that's not something that we've done that much recently. And if we start adding clean sheets and into our performances and also continue to perform the way we are, where we're now dealing with, like in terms of how we're scoring goals, we're able to score against a low block. We're able to score against teams that, like Bournemouth, for example, they came to us. I know, I know, we ended up conceding two goals in that game, and we won in the ninety seventh minute. But ultimately, it was because of the the way that we scored that goal, the way that we kind of engineered that goal, and all of those chances was us sticking to our principles and us sticking to this, you know, this now tried and tested way or or, or method that Arteta wants us to to use, right? Um. And I think we're so dominant in so many games now that there's every chance that we could take each game as it comes and be as dominant in a lot of those games and and get the three points out of them. And I think also when you combine that with the fact that maybe City might actually have to be perfect to catch us, I'm not sure that they will be perfect. And like you said, Aaron, in the Champions League, they've got the Champions League this week, this week, and hopefully they go through. Um, and then, you know, it does, it does, that is going to, be that is going to be their priority i think as like they must have looked at today and looked at the fulham you know us playing fulham they won yesterday they must have looked at the like pep would have looked at arsenal playing fulham away and thought oh there's maybe you know maybe that's a bit of a, a tough game for them but it just wasn't and he must at the end of the game or you know when we were three and up at half time he must have been like oh bloody hell like they've won again so like we've got to look at it from that perspective as well and not really worry about City as much and just kind of, you know, think about ourselves as the guys that, you know, we're the team that are in charge. We're the team that are kind of leading leading this this title challenge. And that's, you know, it's, it's in our hands, basically. So, yeah, I think the thing that's given me the most confidence is, li- is quite literally how dominant we are playing at the moment and how well we are playing at the moment. And it just means that, you know, Palace probably come to us next week and probably sit in and probably play a low block, but you'd still back us to go and score a couple of goals, score two or three goals and, and go and beat them. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling more confident than than I was, I think, let's say twenty four hours ago. But yeah, as each game gets ticked off, definitely feeling more confident. Yeah, there's a there's I share the increased levels of confidence. Um I think, you know, we're always a bit worried about getting overconfident as fans. You know, we've been you mentioned we've been hurt so much. But there are a couple, there's a couple of other reasons just to add to what you guys have said that are giving me a little bit of confidence. So I think that Man United dropping points today, this is going to sound really random, but I think them dropping points today is quite significant for us. And the reason is, is because now I would probably very safely say that Man United are not going to win the league. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I think that they are not. You know that even the outside chance for the title does not exist, in my opinion, anymore. There's too many points gap. Casemiro has now got a four-game ban. Um, it, it, it's not happening. Now, the reason I think that's relevant is because I think for Arsenal, we we've always probably still had in the back of our minds that if it goes horribly wrong, what you know, what if it, it's not even about us not winning the title? What if we just get sucked into a top four battle? 
I think that might have still been in the in the back of the minds of some of our players. It may not have been manifesting that much, but I, I worried that sometimes, you know, if we had another bad result soon or whatever, it what what could happen? The spiral. So I think the fact that there's only now City that we are really thinking about. Uh, you know, I'd like to say the worst that we can finish now is second. I think we'll liberate our team a little bit. So that's one. The other thing is, I think that way too much gets made of this whole city have kind of been there and done that over the last few years. The reason is, look, one, like that whole season, that season where people point to where they won every game, I think in the last 14, I think they won the last 14 games or something like this, right? They won all of them. That was like three, four years ago. Okay. That's a, that's quite a long time in football. So I know they've won the league since then, but that particular period of time, not just them, but all the teams around them they were competing against, they've all changed. So lots of stuff has changed. And also, even if you look at the whole period, like all this kind of this sort of period of domination or whatever, and this whole idea that they've got, you know, City have been there and done that. Yeah. Look, Pep's been there and done that. Absolutely. And there are some of their players that have been there and done that, but not all of those players were in that squad during that period or were key players during that period. Like they're not, it is, it is quite a different side. You look at their back four, for example, that tends to start these days. Like it's not, it's not those players who were part of that kind of winning, you know, last four or five years. And a couple of those players who were part of that winning period are at Arsenal now, you know, they're not there. So there's, 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 I think a bit too much is being made out of that. But the third thing is, and probably the last thing is, and I think I really felt this today, it does feel like there's something in the air with some of the things that are going for us at the moment. And what I mean by that is in a season, you're going to have bad luck and you're going to have good luck. And I think some of it is about how you manage those periods of bad luck and come out as unscathed as you can. And then you like kind of ride your good luck period. And when I say good luck, I mean that mainly in terms of injuries, but also what's happening at other clubs. So for us, it's so amazing to have Gabriel Jesus now being reintegrated back into this team. Emile Swithrow as well, kind of being available and you know, Partey has, you know, like, like one of you alluded to, the fact that he's now, because Jorginho's here, we're managing his fitness better and all that kind of stuff. That's really cool. The fact that, you know, when we played Fulham today, I really, I said it before the game as well. I feel like Fulham probably are now getting into a little bit of a mode of what are we actually going to be doing this season? Because we're obviously safe and we're obviously like punching, but can we actually finish in the top seven? I'm not really very sure of that. Um, but we might win the FA Cup. We've got a chance of winning the FA Cup and they've got FA Cup, I think, next week. So things like that might be on the mind. Palace. It's a really interesting time to play Palace. You know, it's really, I mean, they may not sack Vieira before then, but there's actually a pretty decent chance that Vieira gets sacked in the next few weeks if he doesn't turn it around because if he loses... They haven't had a shot on Bright, target in three games. They haven't they? had a shot on target in three <laughs> games. They are precariously close to the relegation zone in points-wise. I, know they're, I think they're 12th. But points-wise, it's not far. They've got Brighton and us next. Like Brighton, they're quite likely going to lose those two games. The chance are they lose their two games. They are right in the relegation battle if that happens. They are properly in it. Yeah. So there's a lot that's you know we're playing Palace at probably a time where the last team Palace want to come away to is Arsenal probably right now. You know if you're them. So and then we play Leeds again, who are 19th struggling. There's a few things that I think that. You know, I feel like, oh, maybe the stars, you know, something is is just working out in our, in our favor. So those three reasons, 
combined, plus a lot of what you guys have said, have made me feel, I think, after today's game away at Fulham, I, I just feel like maybe, you know, actually maybe. Because, and, and sorry to finish off this big kind of monologue again, if you look at the maths, I feel that if we win, um, if we win our next game, that's eight points, right? We go, we're eight points ahead, and we'll have played a game more. Then, if we go into the next game week, Man City play Liverpool first, then we play Leeds at home. If if Man City don't win that game, so even if they draw, and if we beat Leeds, it's a ten point gap. Ten points, like visually, mentally. Even if you're City, 10 points, and even if you've got a game in hand, 10 points means that we could lose to City, we could lose to Liverpool, and it would still be four points. Do you know what I mean? So that is, I think, you know, there's a lot lot of reasons why I feel pretty, pretty good right now about it. Um, But yeah, look, so I think we feel good. But we've got two games coming up this week. We are in the Thursday week, weekend, Thursday weekend kind kind of vibe. Um, my Sporting Lisbon, you know, it feels like the UEFA Cup is UEFA Cup. I'm going to call it UEFA Cup. Yeah, it feels it. like the UEFA Cup is such a is like a, a bit of a footnote right now. But um, but at the same time, it's you know, it's a really important competition for for a few reasons. Uh, what do you feel about it coming up on Thursday? Would you like to see? Would you like? Do you think? Etc. What do you think about um, lineups and what you expect from that game? I think it'll go f- with a similar-ish lineup to the away leg. I'm not sure Kivior, like for example, Kivior, Kivior had a difficult day, difficult evening, and he was. I don't. I don't think he was on the bench today. Um, so maybe he goes a little bit more senior in defence. But you know, I guess the fact that we need a result, um, we need to win the game, means he may. He may bringing in a couple more of the big guns, but it was a pretty strong team last week. So I can kind of see him going with a similar team. Um, but I'm expecting like, we like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just expecting another dominant performance. And I guess what I mean by that is I feel like we were defensively again, like I touched on this before defensively on Thursday last week, we were just really, really bad. Like it was really sloppy. Some of the goals we conceded. Um, and I think given that, you know, we're, we're at home, um, onus is on us to really just go and win this game and progress as smoothly as possible. I'm not like just discrediting Lisbon and saying they're they're rubbish because obviously they're not. But like, I think Rod, you said it before the game. Like you looked at their team lineup, and I think you said you know they're basically a, a bunch of nobodies. And I know you didn't mean it like that, but they're a team. They're the kind of I sort of I sort of meant I sort of meant a little bit like that in terms of relative terms. I think yeah, you know, you're right. Well yeah, when you're top of the Premier League and yeah. you're playing a team. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah, I, I think we should we yeah. Um in terms of team lineup, I think you'll go relatively strong. Just unfortunately we didn't get the result we should have got in the first leg. So um by consequence he's gonna have to play some of the big guns. Um but like we've been saying, right? We our big guns now they don't necessarily mean, you know, the first 11 that you think of. There's other players that can come in that are at a very similar level and maybe they're just not quite in form or they're coming back to full fitness. So um, it'll be really interesting to see actually who he goes with. But, you know, when you think you've got Palace at home on the Sunday, which is obviously another must win, but after that, it's the international break. So he can probably afford to like push the push a couple of players a little bit over the next couple of games. 
um, knowing that some of them might get a bit of a break or, you know, international football means they might not play. They might just play one game in in, in the space of like a week or week and a half. So, yeah, I mean, but I, I'm expecting an Arsenal win. I think um, it, it'll be really good because like we're going and it'll be, I'm expecting, um, you know, a crowd to be really up for it like they have been for every every game this season. But now it's like, it's like European football knockout. It's like a proper knockout game now. Um, so I think it'll be like a good atmosphere. And I think, I think we'll come through with the win. So, I mean, if you're asking for a score prediction, I'm going to go three, three nil. Wow. Interesting. Um, Aaron, do you share the sentiment generally? Do you think that he'll go strong to the point where we'll see Sackers and, and Jacques and uh, Gabriel's like, what, what do you, what do you think about lineup? And uh, how do you think it's going to go? No, I don't, I don't think he will actually. I think, well, actually, every time I seem to predict a Europa League team, I get it almost 100% wrong every single time. But um, ideally, I think you can, like I said, there's probably quite a few players that actually need minutes. Um, so the likes of Tierney, Tomiyasu, uh, Jorginho, basically our entire bench. Maybe I wouldn't even be surprised if he gives Gabriel Jesus a start on Thursday, give him 60 minutes. And then takes him off, and then again he's on the bench against Palace. So I think, I think, yeah, I think it'll be quite a like a a B team ish squad. And I think I would, I would actually play Kivior again because I think again he needs minutes. He had a bad game in the first first leg, but we obviously believe he's going to be something, someone decent. So we might as well play him. And there's you know probably going to be the firepower off the bench if we need it to win it. But I think actually the players that we do start, I think I fancy Smith Rowe to get a goal or two on Thursday. So um, I think he'll start. So yeah, I think it will be fairly, um, what's the word? Fairly, I think he'll be cautious in terms of the amount of first team players that he, he plays, even though he's traditionally gone with a good mix to try and not disrupt the rhythm too much. Um, but yeah, I, I think we'll win 2-0. Yeah, I'm. I think that I can see, I can see him resting a lot of the back five. Yeah, I think so in a similar way that he did to the away leg. But I think you know Tierney now, given he's probably well, he'll I think he'll play. Yeah, but I think, um, yeah, I think you know Jorginho will play. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's say Jorginho, Xhaka, and you know I. We always think Saka's going to get rested, and he doesn't, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know whether he, you know, he'll just he'll just play him again. I, I do feel like he does need a rest. I know, Mize, you mentioned it in the last game. You know, away, I think you said that he looks pretty tired. Like, I agree. I thought, I thought he was really good today against Fulham as well. But I still think he looks a little bit tired, like where it's just not, you know, as electric. Um, but he's still brilliant. Um, so you know, uh, I don't think Jesus will start. I think he'll come off the bench and play like 30 minutes. And I think it's more likely then that he starts against Palace and and, play, and plays for about 60 minutes or something like that. Like, personally, that's what I think. But I think we'll win. And I think it will be... Um, but I think because we'll play a, a bit of a makeshift side as well, I don't think it's going to be that easy. But I think that in the end, we'll bring on the subs if we need to. And I think it will be like a 3-1. Um, let's evolve to, full, uh, to, to the Palace game. So Patrick Vieira... We think it will be Patrick Vieira. I mean, but they've got Brighton midweek, and 
you know, we're at that point in the season, aren't we, guys, where it's like, I feel really so. If you think about Palace's situation, again, they probably look at Everton and think, well, new manager bounce, and that is a thing. And if you get dragged into a relegation battle, it almost doesn't even matter if there isn't a great manager that's an alternative. You sometimes just need that bounce. Um, I mean, Aaron, and I'll go to, to you first this time. I mean, what do you think? Um, do you about think Palace? that... Yeah, what do you think about Palace? Do you think that uh, Vieira will stay in his job by the time he gets to us? Um, do you think that there's a chance of an upset? Uh, what do you think about everything? I watched the Palace City game yesterday and I thought Palace were absolutely awful. And I know it's Man City, but it just like... I, there were times where they couldn't even get into the box, let alone like have a shot. Um and it, I think Gary Neville said it on commentary, which was like the way Palace have been this season has been, they've been a bit of an individual brilliance, individual moments type team where if some of their players, usually Zaha, but as a, or some of the others do something good, they'll score. But whatever the system is, just doesn't seem to be working that well. So, but I do think with Vieira, I think, I think they've probably he's probably shown enough where unless they get seriously dragged into a relegation fight, they'll probably be okay. Because actually, if you look at the bottom half of the table, it's really compact. Um, and there are a lot of teams who could get dragged into it as well. So, but aren't, so yes, but, so but, but like, aren't they in a aren't they in one? They are because again, like they are three points off the relegation zone and they've played yeah, the same. But, uh, yeah, three points off, but aren't they like fourteenth or something like that? So yeah, you know, they're twelfth. They're twelfth, but it's yeah, like it's 12, three exactly. points off. And the, so, but they've got Brighton and Arsenal next, so you're probably not going to win those games. No, no, true. I think. Yeah, but I, I, I look at all the teams around them, and they're they're all rubbish, rubbish as well. You've got like <laughs> Leeds, who I don't think are very good. West Ham are not playing very good. Leicester are not playing good. Um, so all of it is, it's just they're all really bad. Um, so, so yeah, I think it would just be the case of, I think they'll palace will be okay. I think they'll be okay. I'm not worried about them to be honest. If I was a palace fan, I'll be annoyed, but I wouldn't be upset. Mize is just yawning about their style no, no, of play. Disrespectful. Well, I mean, do you want to get like, so? You know, I mean, Aaron, you said you're not worried about them. I actually meant more. Are you worried about them? As in, could they get a result at Arsenal? Are you worried about no, Arsenal? No, come on, man. I mean, uh, to be fair, like Palace, like that stat of Palace. Apparently, no team has gone longer without a shot on target in the history of statistics. If oh wow, if, you know, can you, <laughs> yeah, in the history of like. Opta statistics, Since no Opta team has gone longer. Was yeah. it three games? Yeah. Three games without a shot on target. Um, we, know, we, know, we know what's coming on Sunday. We know what's going to happen. <laughs> six, six shots on target, six, three goals. Six, shots, six <laughs> goals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I think we'll be okay. I think actually these next two games, assuming we don't come back from the international break too bruised, are a chance to just get the goal difference back and get you know get ready for the running and um you know i said i said that i said bournemouth was also a game to get the goal difference back up so you know maybe you shouldn't listen to me too much but no i'm, I'm not worried um 
mice before we go for, okay before we get Aaron's score prediction what do you have anything to add or or anything contrasting uh no i mean i'm pretty yeah it's hard to not be confident going into every game now right especially when it's a home game against a team that you should be um and i think palace if you're palace right like the games that they've got now so just lost to city brighton arsenal away I think any other season where Palace tend to be like a fairly mid-table team, you probably look at those three games and two of them, you probably love free hits like yeah. City and, 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 and Brighton. I don't know if they're home or away, but um, you know, that's like their, you know, kind of derby game. So um, maybe they look at that one, whether that's the one they want to win or they need to win. But um, I, yeah, like I said, like from an Arsenal perspective, it's all about us turning up, playing the way that we've been playing, um, being as dominant as we've been and we will win the game basically I can't really see it going any other way but we say that before every game or before a lot of games the, the Bournemouth one is probably the prime example of where it just was like the most mental game and it you know we, we ended up going 1-0 down and the way that game went no one would have planned it or predicted it so um, but yeah if all things kind of align then Arsenal should win the game fairly comfortably I think the most the most kind of difficult thing to overcome will be if palace come and play kind of you know like let's say one up top and basically yeah like a a, a back five and and then four in midfield they just try to play two banks where they they sit in and obviously play a low block we're gonna have to find a way to break another low block down which is what we've been doing for most of this season at home especially so um but obviously we've got the players to do that so i i still i still go into this one pretty confident so I'm gonna go. Are we? Are we not doing score score predictions yet? Yeah, we are. We are. You go for it. Okay, I'm gonna go to. Oh, wondering if Palace will score or not. Two one. I'll go two one. Yeah, Arsenal. Okay. Aaron. Then. <sighs> I think I'm gonna be bold. I think we'll win four 0 That'll be nice. This is quite, yeah. I, the, the problem is they're still quite, uh, they're very, and part of the reason why they don't get any shots on target is they're so defensive. Yeah, I mean, they, they set up against a low block against City and they struggled for pretty much the whole game to really break them down. Um, so that's the thing. So, but, you're, but you think it'll be a 4-0 game? I think it's one of those where once we do break them down, yeah, we'd... They're not going to do much else. Even when they came down, when one nil down against City, they didn't really. City didn't look too troubled. And I know they were, you know, it was twelve minutes left, and then City brought on a few more defensive players. But look, I mean, I could regret all this. So hopefully we don't play it back. But I'm, oh no, I know. I genuinely look I'm at these two looking, games. I'm looking. Go sorry, interrupt. So I'm looking at basically, basically, I'm looking at since since the start of the year. So. So so Palace lost at home 4-0 to Spurs, if you remember that. That was like Wednesday, the 4th of January. Yeah? Okay. And since then... Yeah, bloody hell. So since then, they've only conceded more than one goal once. Yeah, people said this about Fulham too. You know, the people who were seeing the post-World Cup league table and Fulham were like fifth in the post-World Cup league table or whatever it was. And yeah, I mean, they didn't have Palinia and stuff today, but... Um, we made them look very, very average. If we have our players back, I'm very, very confident of us doing well enough against these teams at home, right? And um, 
you know, even even if we go away to City, I, I really want to, I just hope that when we go to City away, we have Partey, we have Jesus, and we have our first 11. Because it just seems like every time we play them, we have two or three big injuries to the spine of our team. That'll be a brilliant and, game. That'll be a brilliant yeah, game there. With Thomas Partey playing the way he is, with Trossard, Odegaard, Saka, we can give anyone a game. So, yeah, I'm not super worried about a Palace team who haven't had a shot on target in three games. It's fair. No, it is fair. You made a really good point about Fulham because, I, you know, at the beginning before the match was on today and they showed the table after the World Cup, I was like, blimey, geez, that's pretty good. Like, the, <laughs> I don't think we, we hadn't got that many more points than them. Um so that that was impressive, but you're, yeah, you are right. You're right. I think. Um, so I'm gonna go then. To be honest, like all things considered, I know I just I criticised your four nil. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go three nil because I don't I don't. It's either I think we'll win, but I think it's either gonna be a, like a one nil where it's like we keep we we keep knocking it doesn't really happen and then we kind of score in the 70th minute one of those type of games or or like you say i think we'll score if we, if we score one then what are palace going to do in their current form you know um so yeah okay okay cool so we're all, all all going for wins um wicked guys all right well i mean it's been a great episode for a hundredth episode um you know we've given everyone a, a lot of a lot to listen to um but look it's been an absolute pleasure like thank you everyone for the comment loads of comments today so i really appreciate it guys everyone who tuned in like really appreciate the support um i don't say it enough um but you know if you can just keep on sharing the love like share subscribe um we really really appreciate it we honestly do um but it's just been a great a great 100 episodes i would like to thank my colleagues here for 100 colleagues. episodes <laughs> yeah my my colleagues I know we don't get paid, so maybe you can't <laughs> say colleagues. My fellow volunteers. <laughs> volunteers. Uh, volunteers with so, stupidity. Uh, any any <laughs> closing comments, boys? From your from, from the hundredth episode. Uh no. <laughs> Thank you to all of you. Um, especially so I edit the audio, right? So I've, the the audio listeners, the podcast listeners have a special place <laughs> in my heart. Uh, so for all of you who still don't know what we look like or who wonder <laughs> write, write to us Aaron and we'll give you a signed photograph <laughs> yeah. and then the, the, for all of you listening online on the audio thank you and write us a review on Apple Podcasts only if you want to give us five stars if you think we're less than five stars then we don't care what you have to say no, um, but <laughs> if you think we're great go on Apple Podcasts write us a review give us five stars go on Spotify do all that stuff you know what to do and thank you very much uh, i think i said i think i top that mate i don't think i could top that i i think i said my piece at the start but look, yeah i think there's been just i mean let me get a bit get a bit emotional isn't it but um there's, <laughs> there's been i think there's been a couple of people that have i won't name their names or anything but I think there's been a couple of people that have um very um kindly supported the channel from day one or pretty much from day one um they constantly like share our tweets you know share our instagram posts whatever like you know and, and like the videos all that kind of stuff and they and they make an effort to kind of join in comment ask questions all that kind of stuff and um you know i pre appreciate those guys especially because um you know that 
has probably helped us grow the channel a little bit and um probably helped us enjoy doing what we do a little bit more each time so no i just i just i just love it man i, lo I love chatting to you guys about this and then we look forward to the next game and then we get to go and then we talk about it a bit more and then we come home we talk about it and, and so yeah um I, I absolutely love doing this podcast so hopefully we can get another another hundred or so uh, more out of this at least and um, let's see where we go some champions league games as well Ooh, well wow cool all right everyone thank you again and good night and good night boys good night mate good Take night bye